Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to Snake Oil Radio here on Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Jim Ventura. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, today is our interview show, so I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, if it's your first time tuning in to Snake Oil Radio, again, I'm your host, Jim Ventura. I'm a professional astrologer and navigational consultant. Uh, I have a couple of published books, and I do private uh, sessions with people. Uh, you can you can also check out my blog, Snake Oil, on uh, on the internet as well too. That that's been around for a couple of years. Uh, but today's show is not about me. We're going to actually be doing an interview show today. So uh, I'd also like to say uh, before I introduce my guest today, please uh, for all all calls. And uh, that we'll, we'll eventually take calls in, in maybe about 20 minutes, a half hour into the show. Uh, we have an hour show today. I want the calls to be directed toward my guest today. Uh, not a day for, for mini readings or anything like that. We've got an interesting guest and we want to take advantage of her time today. So I will put that call in number up uh, in just a little bit after we get underway with the interview. Okay, so my guest today is uh, Marin Nelson. Uh, she is an author. And also uh, does work uh, that is about life breath integrations, I believe. Uh, uh, Marin, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you today? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. I just came in from outside and we've got like a ridiculous humidity out there. Very, very, uh, very, very yucky out there. <laughs> this is Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> But uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on. Uh, why don't we uh, we start off by, by giving you the spotlight for a little bit, and and give you kind of an opportunity to to tell everybody a bit about uh, the work that you do. Okay, um, I do breath work. Um, it's a deep breathing technique that helps people to clear toxins from their body, caused from drugs, anesthesia, medication, alcohol. Novocaine antibiotics, any recreational drugs, um, that toxic energy stays stored in your body at a cellular level. It doesn't leave. Even if your mother had anesthesia when you were born, that energy would still be in your body. Um, also, when people suppress emotions, that energy doesn't leave your body. It doesn't just dissolve out in the uh, cosmos, it state that energy stays when you suppress emotions, it stays trapped in your body also. Um, all of that toxic and negative energy can congest over time, put stress on the body and and eventually the body breaks down. So with disease and, and stress and um, so what I do is take people into this deep rhythmic breathing and they start clearing all that. Um, I've been doing this work for twenty five years now. I do private sessions and groups. Uh, I run some of my own groups that usually run a couple of hours, and I've had people bring me into workshops they've been doing to use the breath work to help people to open up even more for their work. And I also have a life coaching program, um, and uh, I train and certify practitioners. I've done workshops across the country, and I ran a healing center in Venice, California for five years. I'm just finishing writing a book called Ride the Emotional Wave, and it is meant to teach the average person how to work with their own emotions. Most of us have been taught to suppress, and uh, when we have emotions, we don't know what to do with them, so we continue to suppress, and then those emotions usually come out inappropriately in drastic ways, and we usually take them out on the people that we're closest to. So it can affect our personal relationships as well as, well as business relationships. So the, the book will teach you what to expect while you're clearing emotionally, a lot of different tools to help yourself, and um, uh, stories to back up the different points so that you understand what I'm talking about. Right. Um, do you find, uh, you know, do you find that there's a difference, you know, because you're bringing up the idea about um, about suppressing emotions, or do you do you find, you know, in your practice and in life, I mean, or and this may may sound simplistic, but I, I think it might be a valid question at the same time. Do do you find that 
you know, men are more inclined to suppress emotion, women are more inclined to do it, or is it really, in essence, equal? Is, is there, you know, is there a little breakdown between those things? Honestly, over the years, I mean, this may sound interesting. That's not a bad question. I think a lot of people wonder about that. But in all honesty, I've had about an equal amount of men as there have been women who do my work. You you would think that women would do it more, that uh, most of the time women are more um, expressive emotionally, but that's not necessarily true. Um, um, you know, men may just kind of show their emotions in a different way. I, I, we're all taught to suppress pretty much right. from the get-go. You know, at birth, it, it, it comes in at birth. You know, you go to take that first breath, it's frightening, burning, and painful, and we start suppressing our breathing um, from the start. And breath and emotions are directly tied. Breath and spirit is directly tied. You know, you start holding your breath and you start blocking both. You know, yeah, when I, you feel... Go, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say that, that makes sense. I, you know, I have a number of different clients, especially as of late, that have even had um, issues with, you know, not only necessarily breathing, but like even, um, you know, I've got a couple of clients that are going through issues with like having a hacking cough or a difficulty uh-huh. that way as well too. And I'm sure that that's a, that's an interconnective at some level with this also, uh, you know, physiological response to a certain amount of, of uh, you know, of, of repression uh, right. as well yeah, at an true. emotional level. And an inability to take in life, you know, that's where that's the emotional cause for asthma. You know, difficulty yeah. with taking in life. So you get a hacking cough like that. Yeah, it's definitely related. And yeah, and I know. I mean, I, I think there's pretty high statistics too for people even developing things like adult asthma. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well, I, I definitely. Again, I would think that this is, is something that is, uh, you know, really uh, noticeable uh, for, for, for a number of different people. Because I know from, from having done breath work itself, it, it is something that is very, um, it sounds like, well, why, is, why would anybody have difficulty breathing? But um, in truth, I think, and, and I'm, I'm sure you're, you're definitely more of an expert uh, on this idea, but when, when people, when you do, when you do concentrated breathing, uh, it can be very healing at one level, but it also can be kind of stressful in, in some respects to learn how to do that or to recognize that you are maybe not necessarily doing that well. Uh, most people respects. most people are under-breathers. Do you know when the first white man went to the Hawaiian Islands, um, I don't know how they what their how they said their word, but their word meant under breathers. That's what they called the white man. Uh, was under breathers. Yeah. So most people breathe shallow. Most people don't breathe correctly. So yeah. I mean, you, you know, um, you know, I, I on my blog on my website. My website's marinnelson.com. M-A-R-E-N Nelson N-E-L-S-O-N.com. I have a blog on there, that uh, a post that I talk about, and I talk about this same story in my book. I have a client that was running three different businesses at one time. I think he's running two now. Um, But he'd get into a business meeting, and he'd look around the room, and everybody was stressed, and everybody was holding their breath or breathing shallow. And he said one of the most powerful things I taught him over the years was any time you catch yourself holding your breath, Remind yourself to take a deep breath. It sounds so simple, but he would do that in his business meetings, and it would bring him back into the moment. It would, it would bring him present while everybody else was not present and stressed out, worried about what was to come. You know, uh, you know. Anytime uh, you, you when you know when you're afraid, the first thing we do is hold our breath, and when you feel strong and in your power, you take a deep breath. So he'd remember to breathe, and it'd bring him present again. We're, we're all more powerful. Right. Uh, yeah, I would think, yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely would think that that is something that, that probably starts uh, really, really early. Even when, when people get nervous, they hold their breath. Or, exactly. You know, there's so many, I think there's so many different phrases in our culture as well, too, uh, about, uh, you know, even if someone says, oh, you know, he left me breathless, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a, there's a oh, positive yeah. to that. And also, like, there's sort of an underlying statement, which is like he was 
he or, or she, 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 you know, she left me breathless. Oh my God, she was so beautiful. I can't even believe that she, you know, I can't even believe that she was talking to me. <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> the thing where there's sort of an underlying statement that says unworthy. Ah, oh, it is time. very true. Very yeah. true. So I think that the, even our, you know, vernacular, the, you know, the way we speak and the way we communicate expresses a lot of this. But um, I, I would, I would definitely agree. Uh, that there, there really, there really is a lot to 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 breath and and how we and how we we see and view life. You know, when I was a kid, there was I grew up. There was a girl across the street who um, had asthma, and mm-hmm. um, we, we were friends with her. But you know, later on in life, for me, like I learned, um, like my, one of my favorite books, one, I sort of one of what I call a joking metaphysical bible that everybody should have at some level is uh, "You Can Heal Your Life" by Louise Hay. Oh, which right. is a great book. Yeah, I mean, to, I'm always like telling everyone, you got to have that book in your house. It's not even a debate. It's just one of those things. But, you know, she talks about asthma being smother love. Often when children are taught, your mother will smother uh-huh. them and be overly protective at some level. Uh, uh-huh. and, and, of course, that's going to have, you know, some benefits at some level you know that you're loved. But at other levels, you're sort of being taught that the world is a dangerous place and you need to be right. protected. So I think these are things that are picked up, you know, at a belief level a lot of times for for many people or even acquired later on. Yeah, you know, it's interesting with the breath work. I've I've been able to help people um heal some chronic problems they had like chronic back pain, migraines. Those are really common ones that I've seen healed allergies, asthma. There's there's been a you know, stress is one very directly that people release, you know, in sessions. Um but yeah, I've, you know, I can't make guarantees with it, but I have seen that I have seen those things happen. It's it's really amazing that such such a simple process can be so powerful. But that's you know, if you think about it, the breath has been used by yogis and spiritual leaders for yeah. thousands of years, and there's a reason why. It's because it's it's key, you know, and core to healing. Right. Uh, very much so. Yeah, what 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 initially got you uh, you know got you into this work? I always think it's an interesting question to ask. You know, my yeah. guess that what was what what got you in, in in on the road, so to speak, to to learn oh, this. Oh man, I was I was really guided. Um, I was really guided. I I started into my own healing in 1985. Um, I uh, really had reached a point in my life that I felt like I was dying inside. I was working out all the time. I looked like a million bucks, but I was emotionally, I felt like I was dying. And I started into uh, LifeSpring, which is very similar to Landmark. Landmark's really big here in Phoenix. And that that set a foundation for me. And in the second program, I met this fellow that um, uh, we... We wanted to start to, I mean, I'm going to say some stuff that's pretty out there, but we wanted to start to learn to work with our spirit guides. And so um, um, through that process, I was instructed to start writing lists of what I wanted, what I loved, and what I was good at. And at that time, I really didn't have much of a self-identity, but those lists helped me to start to figure out what myself I did what my self identity it was. And um then I started breaking those things out in categories, uh career, relationships, friends, travel, you know, everything you could think of. Um and you know, I, I would add to the list every week and sometimes every day if new things came in and I'd start tweaking it. And after four months of doing that, that same friend went in for a breath session and I met him on um on our lunch hour and he was um, he was so excited about this, and he started telling me about the process. And I was at a point I was willing to do anything to make my life change, to heal my life. And um, and you know I said I've got to do this. And he said, Well, good, because I already paid for your first session. So I, three days later, I went in for that first session, and halfway through, I realized it was everything I put out on my list in the way of a career. And I wouldn't have recognized it as something that I could do. I probably wouldn't have felt worthy or, you know, something. That's probably what would have stopped me. But because I had written those lists, I knew. And I said to her, I said to this woman, uh, she's living up in uh, Utah now, up in Wanship, if anybody knows that area, up past Park City. Um, and 
I said, when are you running your first training? And she's, well, I haven't even moved into the area yet. She'd been living in uh, New Mexico at the time. And so six months later, you know, I did I did uh, sessions, you know, regu- I mean, religiously up until that point. But six months later, I was in her first training and was trained as a practitioner. And then after, right after I went through my training, I was very, very much guided um, to uh, move to Phoenix. And I started building my practice here. I was trained and certified as a teacher and then a master teacher of connected breathing. And in the fall of 1989, Los Angeles opened up for me, and I started commuting. And uh, over the last 25 years, sometimes I've lived in L.A., sometimes I've lived here. Um, I like the slower pace of Phoenix. It's a little quieter here. Although my business has always done well in LA, but I like I like living in Phoenix, even even with the heat. But um, uh, yeah, so I've run workshops across the country. I've been brought into large groups. A big chiropractic group brought me in. There'd be forty to a hundred people in the room that I would take through a big group session, and uh, it's pretty pretty powerful and exciting to experience groups like that. But private sessions are just as amazing. I mean, after you cleared those toxins and the negative energy, you know, the those the emotional suppressions, it just opens up a bigger space for God and love to come in. So people have amazing um, meditations at the end, out of body experiences, experiences with the ascended masters, the guides and teachers, experiences flying. I mean, I could tell you hundreds of stories. Just really, really powerful. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, well, and you, you don't have to worry about getting too uh, woo woo on the show. It's kind of a woo woo show, so uh, don't, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> don't don't worry about such things. Uh, you know, I I, I have to. I, I know. I, I think we always try to to walk that line uh, about about things you might say that might throw people off a little bit. Believe me, anybody who's tuning into this live or we're gonna catch well, it when we when we go into archive is is already there. Good. So. You know, on my blog, I have one of my posts. I have how how to connect with your spirit guides, and it's it's been amazing to me. I mean, people read it from all over the world. You know, I get about three hundred comments a day, approximately, and people really love that particular post. And I, you know, I just put it out there. It's like, hey, if they don't like it, so what? They can write. They can go write right. their own blog. <laughs> you know? They right. Yeah, you be. You know, because you know, and it's a it's a funny thing that you bring that up because even in the work that I do, you know, there's an area where that a lot of people would consider woo woo, but like people are just absolutely uh, fascinated by it. Um, and it's anything to pass life information. By yeah. people go nuts over it, and even and I've actually said this even about the shows when I when I do Snake Oil Radio, the shows that often get the most hits or the most interest are actually the astrology shows a lot of times. Ah. But again, something uh-huh. you think a lot of people you talk to a lot of people you'll say, oh yeah, I'm an astrologer, and they say, oh you believe in that kind of stuff, and you're like, well. Ah. No, it's not an issue about whether you believe in it. It's going to operate whether you're conscious of it or not. <laughs> but exactly. you know, I mean, so yeah, yeah, it's 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 always an interesting thing to to look at that. And and, and speaking of your blogs, I actually had I read a couple of your blog posts, and there's one that I actually really wanted to bring up. So I think I'll bring that up now, and then okay. after that, we'll we'll start talking um, about. Uh, we'll, we'll maybe take in some callers uh, if anybody's brave enough to call in today. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, sometimes we get a ton of callers. Sometimes we just get people hanging in and listening. So either way is fine. Um, okay, so one of the blogs that I caught is I, I caught uh, a developed relationship with you guys, which you had mentioned. But another one that I thought was was interesting and I thought we discussed a little bit is the, you did a blog post on your site, and it said um, the title was To Be Right or To Be Happy. Oh, Yeah. And I, I laughed when I saw that because I actually also that, that's really something I've I've talked with clients about a number of times too. Uh, sometimes we we hold on to to being right, and that uh-huh. you know I, I I like to term it um, stubbornness uh-huh. in, some, in some respects because it's that holding uh-huh. on tenaciously to the quote unquote but I'm right, but uh, sometimes right. we suffer. So let me let me let you talk a little bit about that. Well, you just said it right there. It's like a lot of times uh, people will hold on to being right, even at the cost of their own happiness. 
Um, where, where I first heard that statement was out of the book A Course in Miracles. I've been a student of the Course since 1988, and um, that's when I first heard that statement, would you rather be right or happy? And, um, you know, it, it's like, just let go. I mean, who cares if you're right or wrong? I mean, who ultimately, who cares? If this is making you unhappy, why hold on to it? If it's ruining your relationship because you have to be right, why are you holding on to this? And a lot of people do. You know, it, it's like um, they're they're not willing to open up their minds to other possibilities or even the possibility of just kind of making a little space and putting the new idea on a shelf until they're ready to look at it. But they'll just tenaciously hold on to their beliefs you know, um, st- oftentimes staying stuck in denial because it's just too threatening. Sometimes people uh, hold on to that sense of I've got to be right and this is how it is because if they look were to open up their minds to looking at it any other way, um, it would feel like uh, they're letting their their self identity is being threatened. Right. A lot of times people have identified with their beliefs and if they let this go, who am I? That can be, that can feel very very threatening to people. Absolutely, I, I, you know, and sometimes people will build an identity around a negative. Um, exactly. In the sense, right, that like you were victimized. You know, I have a, a very good friend of mine who um, had some uh, had two two young boys when she was a child, and because she was in a severely abusive relationship with the father, she she left them when they were young. Knowing that the, the father was not abusive to the children, though it was just kind of his thing with her. He was a good father, and then right. she, for years she tried to get back into um, their lives, and he would not allow it. And she tried obsessively for years and years and years. I mean, now the boys are in their twenties, and both of them kind of re-entered into her life. And one of them, she connected with both of them again. And uh, but one of them is holding on. He hasn't spoken to her in almost a year now, and he's holding on tenaciously to that she's a bad mother. She was a bad right. mother, and he's angry at her, and he, he can't release, and he can't forgive her. Yet, all she wants to do is to be a good mother and be part uh-huh. of the life, but he's holding on to that identity of right. the abused person. Right. And I, I never want to, I'm sure you, you would follow this too, you never want to minimize somebody's pain in terms right. of what they've gone through, but we can, you know, as human beings, sometimes, again, hold on to a, a past assault in a way that it, it becomes almost part of her identity. It's like I've, I've said to people, you know, sometimes, you know, I've, when I've met people that, are, that have cancer or HIV positive or something like that, sometimes even too, they don't even really introduce their name. They sort of say, hi, I have cancer. And right. I'm always like, well, no, what's your name? You know, right. who are you? No, what do you do? No. So I think a, a lot of times we, we will do that, and I think that that's, uh, again, very interesting uh, that, that to me again, it's sort of a stubbornness in some ways because you're holding on to a wound in a way that's actually causing you pain and further detriment. Exactly. I I can honestly admit. I mean, you know, this might help people connect to what you're saying even more. I can honestly say that I did that for a long, long time. That that I identified with with my wounds from childhood, and you know, even though I worked and worked and worked, it worked and work on healing that. And I can even say that I identified with the fact I worked and worked and worked. <laughs> that yeah. was part of my identity. I am working on, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but to be able to let that go, oh, my gosh, to free that up, I mean, you become, you, you get to reinvent yourself. Right. And, I mean, it, on one side it can feel scary, but on the other side it just opens up this huge vista of opportunities of, who you get to be and what you want to be once you can choose to let that go. You know, I mean, to get to that place of forgiveness, you know, who's the prisoner and who's the warden? You know, um, right. when when we hold somebody else, you know, we can't forgive somebody, you know, you know, is it re- they may not even know that that we haven't forgiven them, but we keep ourselves prisoner and we're locked in those identities like you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. People will, will will hold on tenaciously, and I think that that's why you know from when I've done breathing work, and I and and actually many years ago I actually worked with uh, Marin, 
and and we did some work together uh, like a hundred years ago, was it? <laughs> I'm joking, <laughs> yeah, but it was about. like it was like fifteen years ago or, or something. I swear you don't look like the same person. When we were in when we were in our twenties, I will I will throw that out. <laughs> something uh, like that. But uh, <laughs> something like that. But uh, but I I remember um, in doing some some work some breath work and and that was really scary. Um, mm-hmm. initially uh, to do that, um, to, to focus on the breathing. Because I remember when I went through it, one of the things that was concerning me at the same time as I was trying to do it correctly was I was worried that I was doing it wrong. Oh, and, and, I, and I thought I would I'll share that with you because I don't know if I had ever told you that, that my concern about whether I was doing it wrong and whether I was kind of a dumbass and, and you know, was an interesting thing to observe as well too. I've always been lucky because, as weird as I am, like I always have this part ability to sort of observe myself in action at the same time as I'm doing something. So another right. part of me was like watching me and sort of saying, "Aren't you just using this as another means of blocking yourself because you're becoming too consumed?" I would that? bet money. I would bet money that that's an old belief you had, and that yep. may have come in at your birth. I'm doing it wrong. That right. probably came in at your birth. Uh, without question. And and one of the things, I, you know, uh, when we had done this, um, I remember that I, you know, we, we, had, we had gone back sort of to my childhood in some respects and even, I, I believe, to the point before that. Uh-huh. And yeah, I remember what I – what was that? You can have old memories come up to be yeah. – cellular memory to be released. I, I remember going through the process of, of even actually seeing um, or energetically seeing or feeling my parents when they were conceiving me. Uh-huh. And the, I've, had know, a, me I've had people do that. Yeah, the contemplation yeah. of coming in. And mm-hmm. I remember also that I, I think as a soul and as a spirit, my parents had a lot of shame and discomfort in terms of religious belief and thought even about sex itself. Isn't it interesting that you chose to come in at that precise time so that you could take on those beliefs so that you could work through it this time around? Yes, absolutely, because it, it, it did. I, I, I remember even being a child and, and you know going through that in a, in a house where a lot of that energy was kind of repressed. Um, uh-huh. I, I was lucky. I, uh, that aside, I had a relatively good childhood, probably in comparison to a, what a lot of people go a through. But there people. was a very heavy sort of Catholic repression kind of and energy shame. that, when shame, right, that was part of the body and and various yep. things and and yep. expressing of that. So um, that was one of the things that surfaced when we had done that work. Um, uh-huh. So and and just so you know, and I'll, I'll say this to you um, as, as well as to all the listeners here. Um, it, it really was the work that I did, and I think it was really even just one or two sessions, was really profound on mm-hmm. what I picked up and what I recognized about myself and and that recognition of, of needing to open to the idea of accepting abundance. Now, you've got an understanding of um, what what processing is, so that as those things, as those memories came up for you, you were able to take a look at it, see it for what it is, recognize that, you know, it's something you took on. It, it doesn't mean it has to be true. You were able to see that. Normally when somebody comes in, they wouldn't have that um, that knowledge, that background that you have. So I, I would be the one to step them through that, to help them recognize those things. Right. But somebody that has a good background like you do, you know, it's it's, Oh, I love it, actually, because we get to bounce <laughs> off each other. You know, yeah. it's like you're sharing and I pick up on something, you know, and we're intuiting. Right. And it's, it, for me, it becomes a playground. Um, typically, though, with a client, they don't have that background. So right. I'm sharing that information with them to help them understand what's going on, the beliefs that probably came up from those early experiences, and what they can do to help themselves now. You know, at a, at a minimum, they're releasing the the energy of those emotions that surfaced in those experiences during the breathing that we're doing in the moment. Right, uh, and that's good to know. I think that's a, that's a great statement to let to let all the listeners know as well too. You don't have to 
know what you're doing, that's kind of one of the points of having you help them. Exactly. <laughs> I think that it's, like, it's like if someone comes to me to have their tarot card thread, I don't need you to know how to read tarot cards. Right. Uh, that's my job. I'm, I'll interpret them and, and I'll tell you what these cards mean. You know, I don't expect right. you to have to do work before you, you, right. you get here in that sense. Um, let me uh, let me uh, let me let me let me let me make a little side uh, comment here too. Uh, I want to welcome one everyone that's been. We got a couple of people, quite a few people jumping in and out of the uh, oh, chat good. room here. So I want to welcome good. everybody to the show who's here. Uh, welcome uh, Skating Angel. Uh, a couple of nameless guests as well, and then one of my uh, good friends Demi Fox who is in the chat room. So I want to welcome everybody who's in the chat room or listening to the show live to the show. Um, we do have a, about another half hour to go, so I would like to open the phone lines up. If anybody has a, a question or they want to talk to Marin um, about uh, about this work, uh, please feel free to call in here at uh, 646-200-3966. You may need to dial a 1 before that, guys, but it's 646-200-3966. So uh, if you'd like to call in uh, to the show and, and have a question for, for Marin, uh, please uh, feel free to do that. Otherwise, we'll, we'll continue on with our interview here. So, okay. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's great also to, to talk about, you know, some of this experientially. What can you, you know, what if someone hires you, in essence, to do this, why don't we, we talk a little about, about what a typical session is like? In other words, what, what, what do the, what's the primary focus what do they have to do? How long it takes? Let's, let's get some basic okay. info so people can understand this. Okay, the first session typically for for me, my my work is quite different actually than I've really developed my own technique to tell you the truth. It's very different than uh, a lot of other people that kind of work. Uh, on the first session, um, I get a pers- we fill out a personal history form so I can get a background to find out you know what kind of medications they've had surgeries you know, uh, childhood information, if they have any, any information about their birth. Um, it helps me to help them during the session. Then I explain the process. Um, usually people look at me like, oh, yeah, that's not going to happen to me when I'm explaining what's going to happen in the session. And then right. we get in the session and it happens to them and they're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. So um, then I actually, usually I have them lie down um, on a like a massage table or a pad or something. Um, and I get them uh, um, into a deep rhythmic breathing without pausing between the inhale or the exhale. So it's circular, deep inhale, relax on the exhale, deep inhale, relax on the exhale. Within a, just a few minutes, people usually start feeling tingling come into their body. Usually it starts out in their hands and feet and sometimes around their head. Before too long, they'll feel that tingling going through their entire body. What's happening is you're breathing in prana, which is a life force energy, and it carries a very high, fine-tuned vibration. Anything of a lower vibration that you're holding in your body, like toxins and suppressed emotions, starts to be released. So that's that heavy tingling that you start feeling. Before, if, as people keep going, they, it may even turn into a really heavy vibration. That's that toxic negative energy coming off. Um, as people keep going, they may start having emotional releases. Sometimes you'll know what it what it is, have a memory come up. Sometimes you may not know what it is. You may start crying. You may have anger come up. I'll, you know, if anger comes up, I'll have people, like, yell into a pillow, um, you know, to re- to allow themselves to cathart, to release that stuff that, that's trying to come out of their body so that they, they can get freed up. Their bodies and minds can be freed up. Um, uh as that energy keeps building, um, they may start to go into what's called tetany, where your hands start to curl up and your mouth may start feeling really tight. What I've found causes that tetany, I call it all drug energy. So that's anesthesia, medication, alcohol, all of that stuff. I just call it all drug energy. Um, What I have people do is usually tighten up their entire body and tone into a pillow. There's something about that aggressive action, uh, the tightening, the tension, and the the vibration of the toning that pushes that blocked energy out of their body really quickly. And after a couple of minutes of doing that, their hands will release. um, uh, A lot of the tingling will go away. 
I'll, I'll get them more. Sometimes as they're doing that that tension and, and toning, it'll actually, an emotion will surface where it turns into anger, it turns into grief and sadness, and they'll just automatically start clearing that. And I, and I encourage that. You know, the body's trying to release. Um, after a few minutes of that, I get them right back into the breath. A lot of times people can feel the energy just lift off of them. I'm uh, very empathic, and I can feel in my body oftentimes where the person is holding blocks of energy in their body. Um, I'm very sensitive to emotions. I've been working with them for so long, and I'll say, oh, there's sadness there. Oh, I can feel anger there. And they're looking. I mean, they stop. And I, I'm not feeling sad. And then two minutes later, what? Bobbing, you know. Um, uh, so I really use my intuitive and psychic abilities during the session. Sometimes sometimes I can see energy around people. Sometimes I can see spirit guides in the room, and they'll, they, they always work with me during a session. I always feel like it's a team of us working together. Um, it's not just me. I feel more like a guide, uh, like one of the guides during the session. After people have had two or three of these releases, I'll take them into a meditation. And as I said, after you've cleared that toxic and negative energy, it just opens up a bigger space for God and love to come in. And you can just um, have the most amazing, powerful, and beautiful experiences in the meditation. Sometimes it's just quiet and peaceful, and that's what the person needs. Um, sometimes people will leave their body in the meditation. Sometimes they'll try to leave their body during breathing. And usually it's that drug energy that's trying to knock them out of their body. Mm -hmm. uh, just like you're going under anesthesia, and I'll do everything I can to keep the person in the breathing. Because if you stop breathing, you're not really releasing. So I keep people in the breath during that first part. The second part, I'll take them in the meditation. And if they leave their body at that time... Um, I'll let them go. Usually people don't remember where they go, but once in a while they do. And, they, you know, those times that they do remember, they'll tell me, you know, these amazing experiences of going to different places or being with their spirit guides or flying, sometimes just being in the room, you know, sitting up on the ceiling looking down at us or something right, like right. that. Right, uh, right. Yeah. And, um, uh, and sometimes, you know, it's just very peaceful and loving. And, and, um, and if they want and they're not really receiving anything on their own, I might do a visualization with them to help them connect with their spirit guides. And if the person isn't open to the idea of spirit guides, I'll suggest to them that they just look at this as the part of themselves that knows what they really need and we can access that. At the very, very end, I'll finish. Oh, so I do energy work as I pick up on things. Sometimes I'll pull energy off, you know, during the breathing if I pick up on stuff. Or sometimes I'll be guided uh, to put my hand a few inches over a person's body, um, like over their heart, um, to, you know, channel energy in or to pull energy off. Um, uh, nobody, I didn't know how to do energy work when I first started doing this, and, but I started getting these pictures in my mind of my hand over certain parts of the person's body. And when I followed the pictures, when I started doing what I was being shown, I found the people moved through their stuff quicker. And I realized my guides were teaching me energy work. About five years into that, um, I picked up the book Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, and it was exactly the same techniques that my guides had been teaching me, um, although hers was much more fine-tuned. Right. And I also I also got Reiki later, but uh, I I I usually don't even think about the Reiki. I I do what I was taught from my guides. Right. That's, Absolutely. That's kind and, of what and, goes on in a session. Right. Oh, interesting. Um. And do you do you go to people's homes? Do you have an office? How how do you operate at this point? Um. Both. I have an office in Scottsdale. Um. It's um uh, over at about 77th Street and. And, uh, you know, I do need to, I share the space with some other healers, so I need to set that up ahead of time. And sometimes I go to people's homes. Right, okay. You know, depending, yeah. depending if they're not like half an hour away or something. You know? Right, right, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. Well, I, I want to mention a couple, there's a couple of comments going on in the chat room. Marin had some, some trouble uh, getting into the, <laughs> the chat room, so she's, uh, I have to I have to relay the messages, which is not that big a deal. But uh, anyway, so uh, Demi Fox um, is writing, 
that uh, that they uh, that people are funny uh, like that, Marin. She says they just don't believe. I think uh, that she's referring to uh, your, uh, you know, about when they start having those experiences that they're amazed. Um, the comment is sounds like an amazing session, and also that uh, Demi Fox has caught hands of light. Uh, they've read that book as well. So I uh, just wanted to share some of the, the comments going on in the chat room, uh-huh. of course, again, because uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's part of, of – because of, a lot of people catch the show in archive as well, too, so I always have to remember that, that they're not seeing the comments and things right. in the chat room. Sometimes we talk yeah. about them, or, or I'm laughing about something somebody wrote, and then I have to remember, wait a second, they're going to be hearing Nobody this. Nobody else you know, can see this. Yeah, yeah. I have no <laughs> idea what, just, what, what went down in that way. So anyway, we, we, that's just something I, I, I wanted to bring up. No, so, actually, um, it's good you're reading them then. Yeah, yeah, it's just uh, it, my, the, my, my pragmatic side is, is fairly good about things like that. So uh, let's switch gears a little bit, or not switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about the book that you're working on um, so uh, people can can get some uh, idea of what that book's about, when it's going to be available, all that good stuff. Um, well, I could um, actually read to you um, the the what I have on my website that describes the book. It's um, actually very good. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, Hold on, I'm almost there. Uh, Coming, coming. It's a good description. Right. Yeah, I'm almost done. Actually, the woman who's helping me edit, she used to do professional editing, and I traded out sessions with her. Her father's passing away right now, and um, mm-hmm. so it's kind of slowed things down just a little bit, but I'm on the tail end uh, of it. So the book is Ride the Emotional Wave, How to Attract Wealth, Health, and Love Through Emotional Clearing. And uh, I know you know this, Jim, but um, uh, emotions and water have water is a metaphor for emotions it's mental physical spiritual and emotional and mm-hmm. um it connects with earth air fire and water so you know water representing the emotions so i actually in my tarot deck have a card that is the surfer um who goes out on the board and at first he gets knocked around you know by the waves but he eventually learns how to get on top of the wave and to write it through so that it becomes an exhilarating experience. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just how emotions work. You know, in the beginning we get knocked around, and eventually it, it isn't a suppression or a denial, but you learn to work with it, and it becomes exhilarating. You know, your emotions are your um, guidance system. You know, and if you deny that, you're denying one of the greatest tools you have to guide you in your life about what feels good and what doesn't feel good. You know, that's your guidance system. So um, in the book, new studies of the brain as well as findings of quantum physics confirm that your feelings as well as your thoughts create your reality. If you're like most people, you've been taught to suppress your, your emotions from day one. Don't cry, don't be too happy, don't feel too sad. Over the years, you may have grown emotionally numb over uh, pushing down your feelings over and over again or because you've been pushing down your feelings. They erupt at inappropriate moments with the violence that damages your relationships that you cherish most. Being out of touch with your emotions, you're being too easily swept up in them, affects all of your personal and professional relationships, especially the intimate ones. Out of control feelings also affect your ability to be productive, prosperous, and creative. As you recognize the vital role emotions play in your life, whether you're aware of them or not, you may wonder, how can I begin to heal my emotions? What can I expect when I heal emotionally? How can I tell when I can heal myself or need someone to help me? And what can I do to help myself? You'll find the answers to all these questions and many more in Ride the Emotional Wave, a step-by-step guidebook to help you work with your emotions to create the wealth, health, and love you've always wanted. So um, in the, on my website I have... Um, uh, right below that uh, blurb, the write-up about my book, there's an excerpt from Chapter 10, which is on boundaries. Um, I I found a lot of people really don't understand what boundaries are. I remember I had a boyfriend, uh, this was back, I was seen in between 90 and 94, 
And I, I would tell him, you know, I think we've got some issues going on with boundaries here. And, you know, I'm feeling like you're crossing boundaries. And he didn't have any idea what I was talking about. He told me about five years after we broke up, you know, he'd gotten into, like, Al-Anon and started understanding a little more about codependency. And, and he said he, he literally thought I wanted to draw a line down the middle of the room with him on one side and me on the other. He right. Thought, That's what I meant. And he, this was not a stupid guy. He was really smart. <laughs> right. So, I, yeah, so I, my excerpt is on on boundaries, and I think people would really enjoy looking at that. Yeah, I, I, I and I think that, that that's a very key thing as well in terms of what people's beliefs are also because what one word may mean to one person may mean something else entirely to somebody else uh-huh. uh, as well. And, and you bring up an interesting point because I've said this too. You know, I always think that, you know, one of you know a lot of the other day I was online and there was someone who um, was had written something about the book The Secret. And that it, oh, right. a, that it was a piece of crap. It was a big hoax. He, you know, he was going into this real anger detail about what a bad piece of work this was. And I was reading this. It was actually on Facebook, and I was laughing because I thought I always think anyway when someone's going off about something. I always think of that line from Shakespeare: "I mean, think the lady doth protest too much." Um, uh-huh. Like he was just going on and on. And I thought it, it, it's interesting to me because the only I remember years ago when when this secret came out. I know, um, as a metaphysical person, that was not new information to me. Right. It was repackaged right. information, and great right. that it was put out, and it was well written, and it was good. Um, I, I I remember when it came out, when I I sort of read it myself, and I said to a lot of people, I gave it a B plus, and they said, right. Well, why didn't you give it an A? I said the reason, the only reason I wouldn't have given it an A was because I think it was a lot about manifestation. And a lot of detail about how to do that, which is awesome, and how you know beliefs form reality. That's great, but I don't think it focused enough on getting to what your beliefs are in the first place, because right. if you keep better, trying to manifest something, right? You can you yeah. can be blocking yourself if you if you want to be um, really thin and in shape and attractive, but where you know, but you believe that thin, skinny people that are attractive are all shallow assholes. You're right. never going to let yourself block become it. that. <laughs> right. Exactly. So yeah. So that's exactly that's, the kind of stuff that I talk about in my book yeah. about getting down to those core beliefs and releasing them so that you can create what you want. And I, right. I agree with you 100%. That was exactly what I felt about The Secret yeah. also is it was good information. It's a good beginner's book, but it didn't tell you how to get. To, okay, yeah. you're supposed to how bring you, up these great feelings, but how do you get to that right. place so that you can? And to bring exactly. them up consistently. Because otherwise you're just going to manifest sort of a dual reality at best. You'll have both exactly. things going on, right? You know. Yeah. And I've always said this, and this is stuff I learned years and years and years ago. To me, there's there's a couple ways to get to your beliefs. You can look at it as the contents of your conscious mind, meaning you right. don't have to go dig and dig and dig. It's usually quite conscious. But there's another really awesome way to get to your your beliefs, and it's through your emotions. Right. And it's almost exactly. in, in some ways it's more direct. Oh yes, very much. When very someone much. says, "But you got you got to get really this. honest with yourself." Absolutely. Yeah, you uh, got to get really honest with yourself when you're looking at your emotions to to uh, really find out what your core beliefs are. You got to be honest. Absolutely, and and, and there, I think there you the go emotion, back to the writer. There you right. go back to the writer happy thing again. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, you it's hard it's hard to, for your emotional body to lie. In that yeah. sense, I don't even think it even can necessarily. I think you can right. you can mask the you can attempt to mask the way you feel, but I right. think those emotions are really quite raw, and and I'm sure that's what you're dealing with a lot when you're working with people too. Um, you know, oh, I, for sure. Yeah, a lot of stuff surfaces, and and we're taught, you know, in this culture to be un, uncomfortable about. All of those things, you know. I, I always remember a couple of years ago um, when I when the movie Brokeback Mountain was in the movie theater. I went, and um, I was in a movie theater that was about half full. You know, full of men, women, straight people, gay people. Just you know, and it was very funny to me because when that movie ended, it was an extremely sad ending. And right. nobody got up and left when the movie ended. Everyone had to sit there because everyone was crying. <laughs> and right. I thought it was a beautiful moment 
really in a lot of ways that an entire theater was crying, you know, that there would have been no other appropriate response because, Uh right, it did, it triggered something that was sort of universal to all people, you know, to love and to be, you know, and to not be able to and, you know, uh, or to lose someone that you love, all of these really core emotional things that we all Uh experience as human beings, you know. Right. So, but I... I, you know, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I just think that we are taught that our emotions are sort of bad or something to be uncomfortable about. Exactly. You know, the other the other thing that I do in my book, um, I, you, you know uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's uh, information she'd gotten on death and dying and the five stages of grieving that people go through. Right. Well, I've found over the years that people go through those same five steps as they're healing emotionally. So there's denial, anger, bargaining, sadness, and um, acceptance. So I use that format in my book. I start out with the formative years, you know, where all the stuff is, you know, the programming is set up and the beliefs that we get to work through for the rest of our lives. And then um, then going into denial, I put denial and bargaining together because they're both kind of short chapters, and bargaining can actually come in at any point in the healing process. Um, so denial, and then I, and then I, um, the next chapter is uh, the healing crisis. Most people have to hit some kind of healing crisis before they start into their emotional healing. Once in a while, I get somebody that doesn't have to go that far, but most people do. So that's divorce, illness, losing a job, um, you know, uh, stress, you know, major stress in their life, things like that. Um, then awareness, you know, awareness is half the battle. You know, when you know what's there, you can do something about it. Um, and then you actually, then I actually t- start talking about different techniques that you can use. Um, and and I give people some different techniques that they can use themselves, even if they don't have a, a real background in healing. Most of them are visualizations. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I go into you know talking about anger and how that that can show up in people's lives and what you can do to help yourself. Um, to heal emotionally with anger. Um, then I go into um, the, uh, uh, I think the next one, sadness. You know, and allowing yourself to feel deeply. You know, a lot of times people are, are afraid to go into their sadness because it's like, like if I go into this, it's never going to stop. But it does. Eventually, you will. Right. You know, it'll that the dam breaks in the beginning, but it will get down to a trickle, and you get more and more and more into present time as you release that stuff. That, that's been suppressed, and um, so that you can respond to what's real in the moment, not overcharged from a gazillion things that have happened throughout your life, not just what's going on in the present moment. I actually uh, talk, you know, the chapter on boundaries that I mentioned, which is chapter ten. Uh, chapter eleven is I talk about being in present time and how to be stay in present time, and I and I also get into talking about past lives. In the breath work, it is possible to get into past lives, although um, my main focus with people is on this lifetime. But right. sometimes uh, a belief um, a pattern may have begun in a past life, and the person has brought it into this lifetime to be healed. They've chosen to bring it in to heal this time around. So I find that the breath will take you to the point of origin um, of where the belief started. And if, if you need to know what it is, the the memory will come up, so it it is possible to get into past lives even, and then right. the last chapter is is on acceptance and um, uh, forgiveness and letting go. So those 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 that's that's much more in detail what my book is about too. Great, yeah. The uh, I think that's a that's a great point uh, to bring up as well because. I, I think, you know, in essence, this is what I'm always explaining to people that happens, too, is we, we have an experience when we're very young, um, and then we make a belief and a decision about that um, or right. about ourselves that ends up kind right. of staying with one almost unexamined uh, for, you know, for uh, you know, sometimes for a lifetime or lifetimes where right. it just keeps re, you know. But I agree with you, too. Past life work can be tremendously healing and beneficial, but I would say the same thing. You know, to me, 90%, if not more, of our our, our difficulties really originate in this space. Um, I agree. They may have bleed out into other times and other places, 
But I think if you heal it in one place, in essence, you could also heal it in another. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, and I tell people, you know, and I talk about that in my book, that um, y- you may go into one experience and re- release um, a that a core belief, and it's almost like there's tentacles that go out into these other areas. And yeah. if you pull that that one area out, it pulls out those other areas too, so that you don't have to go into every experience and release it. Right, and and that's a and that's a great analogy, and and it's also a great thing because I, I love to tell people that too. Once you've really, you know. I think 60% of the battle in making a change is identifying the belief, the emotion, um, awareness, where it yep. originated from. Because once it's been brought out, you know, into into the light, so to speak, it's like a you know, it's like the vampire that gets thrown <laughs> gets thrown into the sunlight. If it doesn't make sense anymore, it it will almost disintegrate on its own. In a lot well, of cases. you know, what what you're talking about right there, a lot of our beliefs, you know, did begin in childhood and even at birth and sometimes even in the womb, um, where we don't really have the, the capacity to make rational decisions. The right, right and left brain haven't separated n- enough. That doesn't come in until about the, at seven or eight years old. Yes. And it doesn't fully separate until about 14 or 15 years old. But we are making these really powerful decisions. And like you said, a lot of times they don't make sense. Now, to an adult, they wouldn't make sense. To, but to a child, it, they would make perfect sense. You know, I tell people even on their first session, let's say as a child you had a toy taken away from you. You may have taken on the belief that if I have something I love, it will be taken away. Right. Well, what I'm, I might do inner child work with the person to go back into that picture and create a new picture or reframe it. So um, instead of seeing their toy taken away, we replace it with something else. So now the belief is if I have something I love and, I, and it's taken away or I lose it, something better can come in. Right. So we can, we, we can change the belief by changing that original experience. And, if you know, I've heard this many places, that when you can change that belief in your mind, it's as though it actually happened. Your mind can't differentiate whether it actually happened or whether it was a visualization. Your mind takes it that this is your new truth. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally true. It it, it does. That, that's, a, that's a great thing, I think, for, for people to know because I, I do think a lot of times – people get blocked up with that. It becomes, um, you know, uh, difficult for them to, or they believe that it's difficult to manifest something. Um, Right. Or to change something that easily. Yeah. Absolutely. I I run across this with with clients from time to time where they're they're just so... um, I'll have to start sending them your way for emotional clearing, Marin. (laughs) (laughs) I really, seriously believe that. I I will, because sometimes... For me, I, I work at, at a far more intellectual level when I work with people, um, uh-huh. but, the, the, and, but and I think people do need to integrate that emotional energy as well. But I see that too, where they're rigidly clinging to something, um, uh-huh. a belief, a structure that is so not working for them, and, and, right. and so absolutely lousy and and terrible because they they want this. But, like, I, I get it all the time with people in relationships where they'll say, I really want to meet someone, I really want to be in a relationship, and I, I, I do their cards, or I talk to them, and it's perfectly clear that there's no way in hell they want that to happen. Right. They, they're saying, At an I want this. But, level. Right. They just, it becomes this thing that you want, but that you don't either believe that you're worthy of having or you're fearful of because of all right. you have to give up. Um, uh-huh. Or, in a lot of cases, even more often than not, it's some type of a phobic response that's holding on from the past where they're afraid right. they don't experience that again. You know? Right. Uh-huh. So, I do know. I know exactly yeah, what I, you're talking I'm, about. I'm sure you do. All right, well, on that note, believe it or not, we're actually almost through our hour here. Um, the, the shows go awfully fast. So let me uh, let me give you a – just take a minute, let, you know, let everyone know how they can contact you, how they can reach you. Okay. Um, uh, you can go to my website, Marin, M-A-R-E-N, Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N, dot com. Uh, you'll be able to get information on my book there and on Connected Breathing. My phone number is 310-977-0044. That's 310-977-0044. I, am, I have created a funding project for my book. Um, 
uh, asking people for uh, donations. You would receive rewards for your donations, um, uh, bookmarks, postcards, T-shirts, an autographed copy of my book once I get it published. Um, All of that information is on my website. If you'd like to contribute, that'd be awesome. And that's to get my book published. I'm shooting to have it published by October, that I'll have all the editing done, and I, the web, the book cover's all done. The guy that's doing the layout's all ready to go. Right. Everything's just about done. Uh, so that would be greatly appreciated. I love sharing private sessions and groups with people. You can go. My um, email address is Marin M A R E N at MarinNelson dot com, and uh, you've got my number and my website, right. and there you go. Very good. All right, awesome. Marin, thank you for being here. Uh, great show, great information. Uh, thank you, all of the guests, with your, your comments. Uh, good to see you, as always, Demi Fox, and everyone who's jumped in and out of the chat room. Uh, guys, yeah, check out Marin's website. Uh, really some interesting. Check out some of her blogs. Again, thanks for being here, Marin. Uh, this is Jim Ventura signing out here on Snake Oil Radio. I will, be, uh, I will not be here next week. Jim's got Vegas in the uh, docket for (laughs) for next week, but I'll be back again uh, for another show at the end of the month. So, all right, everybody, have uh, have a great day. Thanks, Jim, and thank you, everybody. Peace. Okay, bye.